gentlemen, in the red corner, hailing from the state of Nevada, representing the Steam and Wise Guys, it's the always feared Vegas Odds Maker! And in the blue corner, the crowd favorite from South Florida, Mark Winning Picks Lawrence! Welcome back, everybody. Once again, this is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King from King Creole Sports with a special edition of our March Madness Tournament Against the Spread podcast as we go against the spread on the 2019 NCAA Basketball Tournament. And we're excited about that. The brackets are filled. The matchups are made. The point spreads are out. And we're going to attack them this week and next week when we do our Sweet 16 version. But first of all, let me welcome in our co-host, Victor King from King Creole Sports. Victor, are you set for March Madness? I am. Seatbelt is fastened for an intense three-week period here. Uh, It's been a while since uh, we talked in terms of a podcast. uh, That would be you and me. Late in the 2018 football season when we were doing our bowl special. Uh, the Bulls were pretty good to us, the NFL playoffs as well. Before we get into our March Madness, I do want to tell you a little bit about this great trip that we took during Super Bowl week. Uh, my wife, myself, my brother, his wife, you know, we moved the playbook offices, Mark, down here to South Florida in the summer of 2004. Of course, most of us being from the northeastern Ohio area and Cleveland. And ever since we moved down here, we're going on now, what now, 15 uh, years 15 or years, so? Yes. That's that's amazing. Yes. That is simply amazing. Yep. But ever since moving down here, I've always wanted to do some sort of a casino-related trip circling around the Gulf of Mexico. And we made it happen this year where I kind of wanted to just get in the car and just drive all the way around the Gulf, hitting as many casinos as we could. And we did that. We called it our Gulf Coast Casino Road Trip. You know, our wedding anniversary, my wife and I, is uh, the 4th of February. And we kind of did that intentionally, knowing that right around the beginning of February, we'd be, A, celebrating a wedding anniversary, celebrating the Super Bowl And usually celebrating some sort of a trip. You know, we've done the Super Bowl cruise numerous times. But this year, it was the Gulf Coast Casino Road Trip. And basically, my brother and his wife, they flew down here to South Florida the day before the Super Bowl. So here's what we did. One night down here at the Hard Rock in South Florida in in Hollywood on Saturday night. The next day on Super Bowl Sunday, we got in our car. We drove up to Tampa, spent Super Bowl Sunday partying at the Hard Rock Tampa one night there. The next day, Monday, we did a little six-hour drive to Biloxi in Mississippi, and we stayed two days, two nights in the Hard Rock in Biloxi. And then we finished it off with a drive, a very short drive, I might tell you, to New Orleans for three days, three nights at Harrah's in New Orleans, and then uh, we drove the long way back from New Orleans to Tampa, and then finally back to South Florida. It was a fantastic road trip. Now, it was over an eight-day period, 22 hours of driving time, over 1,700 total miles, 12 casinos, had a fantastic 
trip. We call it our first annual Gulf Coast Casino Road Trip and had a great time. The highlight, of course, was Harrah's in New Orleans, an absolutely beautiful casino. But between South Florida, Tampa, Biloxi, and New Orleans, we hit 12 wonderful casinos and had a great eight-day period. Sounds like a great trip, Victor. In fact, uh, it's a trip I think uh, I myself would end up liking to make perhaps one day. And I can only envision you and the crew doing something similar once the legalized gambling portion of sports wagering enters most of the states doing a state a state tour, if you will, checking out the sports yep. books in all the various different states, you know, either along the East Coast or the, you know, that uh, the tour you mentioned here about the Gulf of Mexico tour. But uh, all in all, sounds like a great time everybody had on that particular tour. And welcome back to the offices here at Playbook, just in time for the March Madness basketball tournaments. And uh, with that, I want to also mention the fact that the Playbook March Madness tournament guide is now available, guys. It was a nut cruncher right. getting this together here. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to first first of all tip of the hat to everybody in the playbook offices, the staff, for all the extra time that everybody put into making this particular guide. Fantastic publication that is. Victor King, he put, he put together uh, just a myriad of things of information, round-by-round round tournament histories you can read. Victor compiled out of the database. Uh, Mark Jr., he put together our... Team Trends, our versus fellow tournament team charts, Charles and Kathy did a terrific job putting stats and everything together and putting the publication together. It was a needless, countless hours put into it. I know I myself from Sunday night, Monday night, I was 3 a.m. in the morning working both nights just trying to make this deadline in which we were able to do this year. So do yourself a favor, guys out there. Get a copy of the March Madness Tournament Guide. It's 16 pages just filled wall-to-wall of information with all the great stats, facts, trends, coaches, records, everything you're going to need for the March Madness first two rounds of the tournament. And the next week, we'll be publishing the Sweet 16 Tournament Guide. So it's all available online, like I say, at playbook.com. And with that, Victor, there's a lot to talk about the NCAA basketball tournament coming up here. And uh, before we get to our featured games, we'll be featuring a game Thursday and a game Friday. We'll also be hopping out to Las Vegas and checking with Andy Isco to get the Vegas vibe and what's going on in Las Vegas for March Madness, this particular uh, tournament here. And also we'll be closing out with our awesome angle of the week a bit later on in the show. But before we get to all that, Victor, let's set the table, if we will, for the March Madness Tournament. And I know there's a myriad of different topics we can get into, but uh, let's bullet point some of them, if we will. And I know on your list of tidbits, tourney tidbits, after pouring through and getting all your data ready together for the March Madness Tournament Guide, there happens to be a team that I think that uh, kind of jumped out to you a little bit, and that might be Wofford. If you would tell me a little about the Wofford Terriers and what you see in them this basketball tournament. You mentioned MJR, a.k.a. Cincinnati Kid, a.k.a. your son. And, yeah, over the last couple of days, uh, we've sat down and talked about some of the teams in the tournament. And one of those teams that uh, he had a lot of great things to say about was indeed Wofford. The Terriers, with their 29-4 and straight-up record this year. The very interesting thing about the Terriers is the fact that their, their four losses this year were against four teams in the NCAA tournament. That would be North Carolina, Oklahoma, Kansas, and Mississippi State. And they they even played competitively in those four losses, at least from an ATS perspective. 
So their remaining 29 games, the Terriers went 29-0 and on the season, including 21-0 and in the Southern Conference. They rolled through that Southern Conference tournament, 3-0 straight up in ATS. They closed the year on an 11-1 ATS run. So it's no wonder that the Terriers are not just favored in their first-round game against a red-hot team from the Big East in Seton Hall as well. But it appears that both the Sharps and the Squares are laying the points. They opened minus one. The last time I looked, they were two-and-a-half to three-point favorites. So it's kind of uh, surprising when you see one of these uh, other teams favored over a Big East team. But in this case, I believe it's certainly justified for the uh, Wofford Terriers. And again, uh, some really good stats there from uh, the Cincinnati kid in regards to the Terriers. But uh, I'm going to throw it back to you, Mark. And I know that, you know, when you, when you and I do a football podcast, particularly in the last two years, I know you've talked about it being a down year out west in the Pac-12 conference. And I think you might feel the same way in terms of basketball as well. I think it is, Victor. In fact, uh, we've relabeled the Pac-12. We call them the pathetic 12 these days, and justifiably so. We mentioned that term, that analogy, during the football season when the bowl games were here and the poor performance that the Pac-12 has had in postseason play the last two years, and it's spilled over onto the hardwood as well uh, in the basketball postseason tournament for the Pac-12. So bad, in fact, that... If you take a look at the teams that uh, sent teams from conferences that sent teams to this tournament, there's eight teams from the Big Ten in this tournament. There's seven from the ACC and the SEC, six from the Big 12, four from the AAC, the American Athletic Conference, four from the Big East, and only three from the Pac-12. That's a Power Five conference with only three teams in this tournament, and one of them is Arizona State, who got in here only because of the first four matchups. If the first four matchups didn't exist, there would only be two Pac-12 teams here. So the Pac-12 has got to roll up their sleeves here this basketball season here and uh, begin to turn the corner here. We'll see if they can do that or not. One of the games we're going to highlight will be a Pac-12 basketball game, and we'll have a little bit more to say about that a little bit later on in the show. And with that, Victor, I'm going to hand it back to you. And before I do, just one quick note on your Wofford comment here. Just pay attention here, guys, because the bracket that Wofford's in, they could well end up facing North Carolina and or Kansas out of their bracket. So you could have rematches for Wofford coming down the road here as well. So keep an eye on those Terriers, as Victor mentioned. And talking about conferences, Victor, I know that uh, you found a lot when you were doing your research work about the Colonial Athletic Conference and the success that they've met with. Tell us a little bit about the CAA, if you would. Right. One of the areas of our massive 16-page March Madness Tournament Guide, of course, available now at the website, playbook.com. But uh, pages four and five are usually my big two meaty pages, the round-by-round NCAA Tournament History Notes. And uh, when I started working on uh, our notes last week, there's just a conference that just jumps out at you whenever they are priced as a puppy. And obviously, it's got to be the Colonial Athletic Conference, the CAA. And uh, I'm a little bit down that there's only one team representing the conference this year. But this conference has been a fantastic underdog in the big dance all time in our database Colonial underdogs 27, 14, and 4, 
as NCAA tournament dogs. That includes, even better, 24 and 6 ATS when priced as dogs of five or more points. And over the last eight years, in fact, these guys have been absolutely perfect puppies. Eight, excuse me, 9-0-1 ATS for Colonial Athletic Conference underdogs of five or more in the NCAA tournament. Guess what? We got one that fits the bill in round one, uh, I would definitely say. And the line has moved in their direction as well. Grab the points versus what I consider an overrated, overseeded Kansas team on Thursday. Not to mention the fact that the team is Northeastern, also finished the season on a 6-0-1 ATS run in their last seven games. Uh, I grabbed a piece of them as soon as the line came out. The last time I looked, it's worked its way all the way down. Kansas favored by about six, six and a half points now. Still some value on Northeastern in that particular game. Another fantastic underdog, Colonial Athletic Conference underdogs in the NCAA tournament. And if you will, Mark, let's move on over to another conference perhaps and I know you talked about having a target on your back in the NCAA tournament. You can easily make a case that it is the ACC that's got that big target on their back with, what, three number one seeds? Yeah, three number one seeds, if you will, Victor. That's only the second time it's ever happened in NCAA tournament history. Three number one seeds. And by the way, when that did happen, only one of those three number one seeds reached the, the final four didn't cut down the nets but only one of those three reached the final four and with that with the three number one seeds coming out of the acc this year uh i you know there's a little bit of you can you go back and forth on you know perhaps should maybe only two teams should have been there but should michigan state have been there instead of north carolina that's an argument that we'll be talking about all throughout the tournament but the bottom line to me is the fact that i believe because of what happened these three number one seeds are going to be targeted Big time throughout this tournament here. Everybody's going to want a piece of the ACC. And with that, uh, I just filled out my bracket at CBS Sports. And uh, if anybody's interested, you can call the office to get a copy of my March Madness tournament bracket or check it out at CBSSports.com for the bracket challenge. But you'll find in my bracket challenge here, I went so far as to say no number one seed will reach the final four. I've got all four number two seeds reaching the final four this year. And that's largely collectively because I feel this contingent of number two seeds in the tournament is as strong as any we've seen as far as a four pack of number two seeds go. That being Michigan, Michigan State, Tennessee, and Kentucky. So keep an eye on that and see if the ACC doesn't get shot down somewhere along the way between here and the final four of the March Madness Basketball Tournament. And speaking about the tournament, Victor, it's often been said, and in handicapping games, a good friend of mine, an old friend of mine, Southern Comfort, Larry Miller, who has passed away a few years ago, uh, one of his analogies that he that he continued to talk to me about was as, as hard as we handicap and for as deep as we dig in our handicapping, the bottom line is when results occur, they oftentimes don't occur for the reasons we thought they would. Uh, but we still put ourselves in a better position by doing our homework and doing our handicapping in advance of the games. When it comes to college basketball, you can do. it seems like you can do all your work and work as hard as you possibly can. But the bottom line to games is it comes down to which team in a matchup 
outshot the other team from the three-point arc because the teams that do outshoot teams from the three-point arc invariably win the basketball games. What's your take, Victor, on what you've seen in the March Madness tournament matchups here of the best three-point matchups in round number one? The beauty of the three-point shot, whether it's the NBA or college basketball, when they're uh, when they're draining, when they're going in, it's it really is a thing of beauty. You know, back in February, uh, during the All-Star break, uh, I did some extensive research on the three-point shooting contest on All-Star Weekend and came to the conclusion and gave it out to my customers that I think that the best value player to win the three-point shooting contest was indeed Joe Harris of the uh, Brooklyn Nets. And we were fortunate to cash a really nice underdog on Joe Harris. He beat uh, Curry in the final round of the three-point contest, uh, cashed a nice 7-1 to underdog in that particular contest. And uh, uh, we're, we're proud of that little uh, prop that we hit during All-Star Weekend. But if you're looking for perhaps the best three-point contest in round one, I would submit to you Auburn versus New Mexico State. And the over-under line still reasonably priced in that game at around 143 points. Here's something that you definitely can count on. Auburn's going to launch a lot of three-pointers. SEC record, 396 three-pointers. And they made a nice healthy 38% of those as well. And rode that prowess to an eight-game winning streak. They produced the school's first conference championship since 1985. Now, this is a conference where you expect a Kentucky or maybe a Florida to win the tournament, but no, it was the Auburn Tigers who had a outstanding season and were rewarded with a pretty decent seat in the NCAA tournament, and they're going to be taking on the New Mexico State team who won the WAC. They won the conference tournament title. They have a 19-game winning streak, the second longest in the country, Behind the Terriers, Wofford, the team we talked about at the top of the show. And you can easily make a case that they are going to be raining threes in this particular game. You know, New Mexico State, they launch almost as many deep ones as Auburn. 28 per game compared to 30.1 for the Tigers. And, of course, these teams enter the week as two of the top eight teams in the country in three-point attempts. If you love the beauty of the three-point shot, that's the game you're definitely going to want to see. And uh, we're talking about Auburn. We're talking about New Mexico State. Could they be wearing a Cinderella slipper? Who knows? I know that you, Mark, you have a couple of ideas on some Cinderellas to take a look at in the tournament. I do. And if New Mexico State's not one of them, Victor, here, uh, you know, this is a basketball team that's won 30 games this year and is also riding a 19-game winning streak. And in the Auburn game, as you mentioned here, you live and you die by the three-point shot, and Auburn lived by the three-point shot, especially in the SEC championship game against Tennessee. But, you know, something when the three points suddenly aren't falling is when big teams fall down. And I saw that as a possibility with New Mexico State in that Auburn matchup. Uh, that and the fact that SEC champions really tend to struggle the first round of the tournament as well. But you take a look in whole, uh, other possible Cinderella sleepers here. Winning a Final Four matchup was Belmont in the Final Four matchup here. And I'm going to mention this, that uh, every year since the inception of the Final Four, we call this out in the playbook March Madness Tournament Guide, 
at least one team that's won a, fi- a first four matchup has gone on to win a second game in the NCAA basketball tournament, and I believe that will be Belmont, a team who I think has everything it takes to get past Maryland. Head coach Mark Turgeon, I think, is a vastly overrated coach, and he finds ways to lose games rather than win them. I could see Belmont getting past Maryland and moving into a Sweet 16 matchup with Michigan State. So I got to pen Belmont as a potential. Cinderella-type basketball team. We all know, you mentioned, Victor, about Wofford. I don't know if Wofford would be a Cinderella per se, just given the fact that uh, they're seeded pretty high in this tournament. They're favored in their first-round game, but still a number seven seed that could make a lot of noise in the tournament. i got to also take a look at uh, my Houston Cougars, a basketball team that I've been on for a long time, all season long here. Uh, they come into the tournament as 40-1 to 1 underdogs. I think Houston's got a good shot to make a lot of noise in this NCAA tournament here. You've also got Nevada, uh, Eric Musselman's basketball team that kind of stubbed their toe in their tournament unexpectedly, but is a very, very cohesive basketball team, and they've got the moxie to to do what it takes to go real deep in this tournament here. They added two starters for transfer from NC State that have melded well with a, a, a bunch of experienced starters in that basketball team. So don't give up on Nevada. It's a basketball team that I think can make a lot of noise in this tournament here. I think they'll eventually meet Michigan in a sweet 16-type matchup here. So put those teams down as my potential Cinderella-type basketball teams on your playlist for this March Madness basketball tournament here. And, Victor, talking about the tournament here, uh, Temple plays a big part in the tournament. There's no question about that. I follow the Ken Palm numbers uh, uh, really religiously, I should say. And when it comes to handicapping over under totals, I know that you have to look at Temple as well. Yeah, we, we couldn't do a podcast if we didn't talk a little bit about uh, over-unders. And I'll just run through very quickly here uh, some of the fastest and some of the slowest teams uh, in the field and perhaps highlight some of the fastest and slowest first-round matchups. But, yeah, we use the Ken Palmer items like any good handicapper or better certainly should. And the fastest four teams in the field right now would be North Carolina. They come out with an adjusted tempo rank of number five in the country for the Tar Heels. And don't forget Buffalo from the MAC Conference, number nine in tempo on the season. Duke, number 19. Belmont, who did win their uh, first four game on Tuesday night, comes in at number 31, also a very quick team as well. And you're going to definitely want to tune into Buffalo's first-round matchup because they're one of the elite high-flying offenses in the entire country. They rank third in average possession length at only 14 seconds per possession. Very fast-paced team. Fifth in scoring offense, 19th in adjusted offense. And, of course, they'll be playing the winner of the Arizona State-St. John's game on Wednesday night. Remember, we record the podcast here on Wednesday afternoon. Uh, so they'll be playing on uh, against either ASU or St. John's, both of whom rank also in the top 50 in adjusted tempo. That's a game that you're going to want to look at as a potential overplay on Friday. In terms of the slowest teams in the field, Obviously, it starts with Virginia, the ACC Conference. They're ranked number 353 in adjusted tempo. And guess what? That's dead last. Slowest team by far in the NCAA tournament and, in fact, in the entire country, ranked number 353. Liberty, also a very slow team, ranked number 349. St. Mary's uh, out of California, number 347. Florida, they always play a very slow tempo team there in the SEC. They're ranked number 346. 
And finally, Kansas State rounding out the top five in terms of slowest teams in the field, ranked number 342. So, real quickly, your fastest first-round matchups, that game I just talked about, Buffalo versus either the ASU St. John's winner, North Carolina against Iona, who's ranked number 45 in tempo on the season, Yale against LSU. That's a potentially quick game as well that you may want to look at going over the total depending on the over-under line. And then finally, Mark, your slowest first-round matchups. Now, this is a game in which I'm definitely going to be going under the total. St. Mary's, number 347 in adjusted tempo versus Villanova from the Big East Conference, 333. Solid under potential. Again, check the over-under line in the game. You want to have at least a few points of value. Wisconsin and Oregon. We're going to be talking about that game a little bit. Obviously, you know now, we think it could potentially be very low scoring, but the over-under line certainly uh, is going to have you thinking a little bit. Kansas State against Cal Irvine, number 342 versus number 296 in adjusted tempo. And then finally, Old Dominion against Purdue. Uh, Old Dom, 325 in adjusted tempo rank. Purdue, number 276. Your potential slow first-round matchups. Uh, there you go with your uh, over-unders. And, uh, Mark, let me throw it back to you. Perhaps you got a marquee round one pairing that you think is a can't-miss game. What do you think? Well, at least from a viewer's standpoint, Victor, here, when you look at these marquee matchups here, you know, there's some obviously popular teams, popular games, and some must-watch things. But I think an off-the-board, under-the-radar type matchup uh, involves an 8-9 pairing. And usually in 8-9 pairings, you find teams that are really of equal caliber, and you can make cases for both basketball teams. But my 8-9 pairing that I have to put on my much-watch list this season is going to be VCU taking on Central Florida. Uh, that's an eight-round pairing in the East Bracket. And it's just a matchup of two teams that I think really go toe-to-toe with each other. They mirror one another in in, in their style and their play. Uh, you're going to see Taco Fall, a big seven-foot-six-inch center for Central Florida, a huge rim protector here. We're going to be watching him play in the NBA here real soon. His presence will be talked about in that series here in Virginia Commonwealth is a double champion, a basketball team that won their conference regular season and also won their conference postseason. And uh, we like making cases for these double champions when they're underdogs to teams that were neither, neither a conference nor a conference tournament champion here. So should you see VCU taking points in this basketball game, that's the side that I'll be on in the contest here. But I think from a viewer's standpoint, keep an eye. Watch that VCU Central Florida game. You will not be disappointed. Victor, I'm going to turn it back to you here and talk about some of these, if you will, if you can uh, capsulize some of the overrated teams and perhaps overseeded teams that you see in this basketball tournament here. There's a lot of teams that perhaps you can make cases for that maybe should have been here and aren't, but who are the ones that made it that you think are overrated or overseeded? Well, I talked about one at the top of the show, and in fact, I'm going to be playing against them in a two-team underdog parlay. And this is not your typical Kansas Jayhawk team. I don't think they're deserving of a number four seed, perhaps maybe a number six. But uh, injury concerns, not the dominant offense that the Kansas uh, Jayhawks are used to having. And I would also submit to you, Mark, that I believe 
The other team from the Jayhawk State, Kansas State, the Wildcats, are perhaps undeserving of a number four seed as well. So that's another team that I'm classifying as a overrated or overseeded team. You can easily make a case that Cal Irvine could potentially cover the spread against Kansas State. And in fact, I'm basically calling this my anti-Jayhawk State parlay in which I will be playing a two-team money line parlay against both Kansas teams. So it's a two-team money line parlay on Cal Irvine, a number 13 seed, and also on Northeastern, a number 13 seed, against uh, two teams that I feel are seeded perhaps a little bit higher than they should in both Kansas and Kansas State. Uh, I'm going to throw it back to you with your basically your cut down the net feature. I know you mentioned who your final four teams are, Mark, in regards to all four number two seeds. I'm throwing out Kentucky as my eventual champion. I just really like their stats. I like they, what they've done in terms of being a strong offensive and a strong defensive team. And in a, in a year in which the Wildcats are kind of flying under the radar compared to other teams, that's my team to win it all. Mark, who's yours? Big value with Kentucky, uh, no doubt about that, Victor. You know they recruit as well as any team in the country. They've, uh, we say that Duke is Kentucky-like when they're going with the young, the youth and the young players. Right. All McDonald's, all Americans on this team, who are capable of beating anybody on any given day. In fact, Kentucky is one of my final four teams, being a number two seed. I'll be with you with Kentucky to make the final four here as well. And in amongst those final four teams, all number two seeds, as I mentioned here, my choice for cutting down the nets is a team that ranks number one in the country in rebound margin, number three in the country in defensive field goal percentage, and number 16 in the country in offensive field goal percentage. It's like the complete package, if you will. And I think this basketball team really came alive in their conference tournament. I've got Tom Izzo, Michigan State, climbing the ladder and cutting down the nets for the NCAA basketball tournament this season here. With that, Victor, I'm going to also pass it back to you and talk about the top double-digit seeds, the teams that are double-digit seeds in this tournament here. I know you hit on, as you mentioned here, Cal Irvine being one of those, a 13 seed here. Anybody else on your look list as far as top double-digit seeds are concerned? I think Old Dominion has got a shot against Purdue, not just to cover the point spread, but a first-round win over a Purdue team from the Big Ten that, again, tends to peak in maybe late January and February. And uh, it's same old, same old, and same old in regards to the Purdue Boilermakers. So I think Old Dominion is a, also a potential strong double-digit seed. As is a team that everybody is enamored with these days, this team hasn't lost in a long, long time, Mark. But if you're looking for that, look, we always talk about the five versus 12 matchups. And who's going to be that number 12 seed that not only covers the point spread, but wins outright. And this is a team that the Sharps like and the Squares like, given what they did rolling through that Pac-12 tournament, the Oregon Ducks. Uh, very interesting that despite the fact that Wisconsin's a five and Oregon's a 12, the game is virtually a pick em. So that's my additional double-digit seed that I think is a shot to go far, the Oregon Ducks. 
That's Victor's top overrated, or not overrated, but top double-digit seeds to keep an eye on. And Victor also, uh, the best teams that didn't make the tournament, if you will, <laughs> some teams that we talked about that perhaps unjustifiably so, uh, maybe had a case to be here but didn't make it. Who would you put at the top of your list? Well, we want to basically talk about the teams that are in, but if you give me 30 seconds here, I would submit to you a team like perhaps North Carolina State, a team that won 22 games out of the ACC Conference, ranked number 34 in the Ken Palm ratings. And I might also throw another ACC team at you, the team that won 19 games, and they're ranked even higher, number 31 in the Ken Palm rankings, the Clemson Tigers. State Clemson, I think, are justifiably out of the tournament, uh, arguable that they should have been in. But I think the case being that the three number one seeds evolved out of the ACC, I think people would have cried bloody murder had they put NC State and Clemson in uh, in with the uh, ACC. That would have then been nine teams from that conference here, and it would have then just been a, a love fest, an ACC love fest, right. if you will. Uh, and I'm going to throw in here just before we close out and we go to our preview games here a couple of teams that i think uh maybe should not have been in this tournament or you can make cases for okay. what on earth that did they do to get uh to get a bid here and i'm gonna look down the road from our old site in cleveland ohio down the road south of columbus the ohio state buckeyes a basketball team that uh, i think made it here on just name and reputation here uh, they got a big basketball player back for the conference tournament here. And it's going to help them, I think, in this tourney. But uh, if you take a look at their body of work and their resume, them and Minnesota both, I think, were questionable to make this basketball tournament here. Uh, they could end up being soft spots, if you will. And my other choice is Oklahoma. The Sooners are the Big 12 conference here. They're a team that they went 7-11 and 11 in Big 12 conference tournament play this year and it, you would have never seen a team with a 7 and 11 conference record make the NCAA basketball tournament in recent years past that was one of the prerequisites to have at least a 500 record in conference play and Oklahoma did not do that but because they're Oklahoma because they reside in the Big 12 conference and because the Big 12 conference needed a sixth team in the tournament Oklahoma filled the bill uh, and as you mentioned here, the two overrated teams being Kansas and Kansas State also. Kansas State had a pretty good year this basketball season here, but keep an eye on Dean Wade. He's their center, and he's a big cog to that offense. He watched the whole NCAA uh, conference tournament, the Big 12 conference tournament, in a walking boot, and he's rumored not to be playing in this tournament. If he doesn't play, Kansas State could be tanking early on in this conference tournament as well you're tuned in to mark lawrence against the spread the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show don't go away when victor and i come back we're going to tear down our two opening round matchups we've got two key games on both thursday and friday's cards we're back with that and a whole lot more to come here on this special edition of mark lawrence against the spread If your goal is to become a winner at sports wagering, then the all-new Sports Data University is just for you. You can learn responsible sports wagering in live classes and free courses from the world's sharpest sports wagering instructors, such as Mark Lawrence, Victor King, Andy Isco, and an array of other top experts. Join live classes and ask questions you want answers to. Listen, learn, and watch at Sports Data University. Visit today at sportsdata.com. That's Sports Data University. Located at sportsdata.com. Welcome back, everybody. This is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King on our special edition March Madness podcast. 
as we get ready for the first two rounds of the NCAA basketball tournament and mark it down on your calendar. We'll be back next week here with another preview show from the Sweet 16 edition on the Mark Lawrence Against the Spread podcast. But with that, Victor, let's take a look, if we will, at two key opening round matchup games on this week's tournament card. Starting on Thursday, let's take a look at the Minnesota Golden Gophers when they take on Louisville in this matchup. Your take, Victor, on the Gophers and the Cardinals. Yeah, and I'm leaning under-under in both of these games as well. The very, very first game on the Thursday schedule, Minnesota versus Louisville. This game definitely has some angles on it uh, in regards to the coaches. It's a 12-15 Eastern tip-off, Wells Fargo Arena, Des Moines, Iowa. Minnesota versus Louisville opened 134. It's up to 135, and Louisville favored by about 5.5 points in this particular game. We've got the Golden Gophers coming in with a 15-18-1 over-under record on the season, a combined average of 140.0 points per game. Um, We've got Louisville Cardinals, also a fairly decent under team like their counterparts at 14-19 over-under on the season, an average of 142.3 combined points per game when Louisville has hit the court this season. Uh, of note, the fact that both teams closed the season on a substantial underrun for Minnesota. Their last 13 games of the year went four and nine over under. One of those overs was aided because of overtime as well. So you can easily make a case that they went 75% under the total in their last 13 games of the season. Uh, Louisville, even better, 78% under the total. Their last nine games, they finished the year. Two and seven over under. Uh, what is significant to me is how these teams did in their road games this season. And in fact, they both went a combined five, 16, and one over under. For Louisville, four and seven over under in their road games. Minnesota, a team that was pretty good at home this season, but really bad on the road. They went one, nine, and one over under in their 11 road games. Obviously, you can tell which way we're leaning in this particular game. Minnesota, they got rolled by Michigan in the Big Ten tournament. That is for sure. Uh, They do got a nice mix of talent and experience and even a little bit of uh, young pop. But there's nothing happening from the three-point line. There really isn't a lot of heck of defensive pressure. They move the ball around. They make the extra pass. They do enough on the boards to clean up plenty of mistakes. But they aren't good at the free throw line. That's, of course, an important stat that we look at when we are wagering our over-unders. And again, they really, really cannot hit from the three-point line. In terms of Louisville, an interesting team. They died a little bit down the stretch, losing, what, seven of their last ten games, I believe, including to the Tar Heels in the ACC tournament. But the size and perhaps the defense could be major issues in the early rounds. Uh, it's a big group. Uh, they're really good on the boards. They're great at coming up with the blocked shots to keep teams out of the lane. Throwing, they are a very good free throw shooting ability. In fact, they led the ACC at 78% and look out. Either way, at the what I consider generous line of 135, we're leaning on the under. Uh, Minnesota. Again, as I mentioned, one and nine, 90% under in their road games, 
one and five under on Thursdays. The Louisville Cardinals, their last seven non-conference games have gone one and six over under. They've also gone one and five under against the Big Ten. Yeah, I think in Des Moines, Iowa, in the very, very first game on the Thursday schedule, we're going to be taking a look at under when Minnesota takes on Louisville. It's leaning under for Victor in the Minnesota-Louisville game, the first game on tap on Thursday's card from Des Moines, Iowa, as Victor mentions here, a matchup of Richard Patino against his father's old-school Rick Patino at Louisville. So you know Rick Patino will be doing all he can to pass on information to Richard, his son, about the Cardinals and what he knows about this basketball team. A little interesting intrigue as far as that works in this basketball game. Minnesota, one of the teams that I mentioned here, I thought perhaps uh, was a little bit of a surprise to make this basketball tournament. I know they won enough games to qualify to do so, but they come in here having lost eight of their last 13 games, not the kind of momentum you need to take into a basketball tournament here. And if you look inside their history in this NCAA tourney, the Golden Gophers with just one win in their last eight NCAA March Madness performances. Taking a look inside our March Madness Tournament guide, we break down how every team in the tournament did against fellow tournament teams this year. And in doing so, you'll see Louisville was just 5-9 and nine straight up against other fellow tournament teams. But if they have one thing that works in their favor here is the fact that in the NCAA basketball tournament, the last six times they dress up as an underdog, Minnesota has won the money all six times. On the flip side, the Louisville Cardinals come in here also struggling against other fellow tournament teams this year, just 5-10 and ten straight up. But looking inside their numbers here, if you prod deep inside who they played this year and what they did on a scale, on a strength of schedule scale, you'll see that against 666 or weaker opponents this year, Louisville was 14-2 and two straight up and 8-3 and three against the spread in those basketball games. And also, this chart that we have in our March Madness Tournament chart, it's our offensive and defensive team stats. And it's a terrific chart here. And if you take a look at the eight stats that we outline in this chart here, they involve scoring offensively and defensively, rebounding, defensive field goal percentage. Uh, those eight key stats here, if you take a look here, in head-to-head matchups against Minnesota, Louisville wins seven of those eight stacks. So when you check the boxes, Louisville gets seven of those eight check marks here. I'm going to lean to Louisville in this contest against Minnesota. If for no other reason, I think they do deserve to be here. And I question whether or not the Minnesota Gophers do or not. With that, Victor, let's switch it over to Friday in another key March Madness matchup here when Oregon from the Pac-12 takes on Wisconsin from the Big Ten and I think this is a must-watch TV game here as well. Your take on the over-under. I know you you said to the under in this contest here. Tell us a little bit about how you got there, Victor. Right, uh, and let's take a look at the over-under line. It at least has got you thinking that perhaps it may even be a little bit too low and I say that because the last time I looked, the over-under line for this Oregon-Wisconsin game is around 117 points. That's right. It's less than 120. I'm not surprised by a line that's, that's, that is that low. Uh, this is part of that NCAA tournament south bracket in which you want to think about going under or passing in just about every single game in this bracket. Seven of the top 25 scoring defenses in college basketball this season 
are playing in this South bracket. I'm talking Virginia, Oregon, and Wisconsin in this game. Villanova, St. Mary's, Old Dominion, and Cincinnati. So this is definitely, for me, the go-low bracket of the NCAA tournament. And again, 117. Yeah, that's definitely a low number. Margin for error, value, mm, I don't know. I do know that Oregon was one of the best under teams this season in college basketball. They went 11 and 24, 11 overs, 24 under, 68% of their games under the total, the number 10 under team on the season. Wisconsin also a pretty good under team at 14 and 19 on the year. Uh, Very good defense for Wisconsin, uh, allowing only, what, 61.4 points per game on the year. Eighth best scoring defense. It's what they usually do, and they've done it again this particular season. In terms of uh, conference breakdown, Wisconsin went 6-16 over under in conference play. They did, however, go 8-3 in non-conference play this season, eight overs, three unders. For Oregon, 7-14 over under in conference play, a solid 4-10 over under in non-conference play. And when I talked about the adjusted offensive tempo ratings, Early on in the show, this one did jump out at us as one of the slowest first-round matchups. Oregon, number 328 out of 353 in terms of adjusted offensive tempo on the season. They play slow, the Ducks. Wisconsin even slower at number 332. And, uh, of course, with the line at 117, I'm not going to say it's a slam dunk on the under. But that is the way that we'll be going in this particular game. 4.30 Eastern tip-off on Friday. Uh, Also, the fact that the game is being played in San Jose, California. You may say Advantage Ducks. It's just a fairly short uh, plane flight south for the Ducks. While Minnesota's got to cross over two time zones from the Midwest and play out in California. Perhaps Advantage Ducks in that regard as well. But even at the line at 117, yeah, we're looking to go under with Oregon takes on Wisconsin. Victor leads under the total in a slow-paced basketball game between Oregon and Wisconsin here, a matchup of another 12-seed versus a 5-seed. And if you take a look at the popularity of 12-seeds in this tournament here, it kind of hit a roadblock last year, if you will. 12-seeds didn't win a game last year. Uh, in fact, they went 0-4 straight up and 0-3-1 against the spread. And in our preview guide magazine, I think we call it the fact that 29 of the last 33 or 34 NCAA tournaments, there's been at least one number 12 seed that has won a basketball game. But if you take a look, uh, when a number 12 seed has come into this tournament here and was not getting three or more points in the game, They've only gone 8-10 against the spread. And in fact, when number 12 seeds not getting three or more points, we're taking on a sub-7-14 opponent. They're just 1-7 against the spread. So a little bit of an uphill battle here for Oregon in that sense, if you will, taking a look at them. Oregon comes in on a major roll, as Victor mentioned here. Eight straight wins and covers in a row for Oregon here. They really steamrolled and came alive of late in justifiably deserved their slot in this tournament here when it was beginning to look like only one team from the Pac-12 would make this tournament. Their head coach, Dana Altman, has been terrific in first-round games. 5-0 and straight up and against the spread. His last five 
opening round games in the NCAA tournament for Altman here, but this is still the pathetic 12, and the pathetic 12 being what they are. Last year, they had three teams in the NCAA tournament. They all went one and out, 0-3 straight up and against the spread. Wisconsin comes in here as a five-returning starter team, a team that I really like to focus in on this tournament here, and especially in the first round of this tournament. That's because five returning starter teams in the first round of the NCAA tournament that find themselves favored by less than seven points. They're 12-3 and three straight up and 10-3 and two against the spread in this particular role. That's the role Wisconsin dresses up in as a number five seed in this, or I'm sure a five returning starters team in this basketball tournament here. The Badgers have also enjoyed pretty good success in this tournament. You take a look at their last nine appearances. They've gone seven, one, and one against the spread. Taking a look at their body of work this basketball season here. Uh, this basketball team against sub-727 opponents, they were 20-5 and five straight up on the season here. In doing the cross-check of the teams from our March Madness Tournament Guide in our Offensive and Defensive Team Stats page on page 6 of the Tournament Guide here, of the eight key stats, it's Wisconsin that wins five of the eight in this particular matchup here. And the other side of the equation here is you have a Pac-12 team taking on a Big Ten team here. The Big Ten has prevailed over Pac-12 teams in this tournament, going 9-4 and four straight up in these games, including 4-0 and oh when they've had the better record, as does Wisconsin. I'll lean with the Badgers for my side in this matchup in this key Friday showdown between the Big Ten and the Pac-12. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence Against the Spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show with our special edition March Madness preview show. Don't go away, guys. When we come back, we're going to join in with Andy Isco joining us from Las Vegas to get the Vegas vibe to find out what's going on in Vegas and my awesome angle of the week. We'll be back with that and a whole lot more here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. The only football newsletter in America devoted exclusively to NFL over-under totals. The Totals Tip Sheet is a must-read if you're serious about adding extra income to your bankroll this football season. Get exclusive insight on the overs and unders from Victor King, the NFL Totals Guru, at Playbook.com. The Totals Tip Sheet has got you totally covered this football season. It's the best reference source of its kind in the nation. Get your Totals Tip Sheet today at Playbook.com and enjoy the winners. Welcome back, everybody. Mark Lawrence along with Victor King on this special edition of our March Madness podcast as we get ready for the 2019 NCAA basketball tournament. And with that, we couldn't do it unless we checked in first with our good friend Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas to find out the Vegas vibe and what's going on in Vegas as far as this tournament is concerned. And Andy, I want to welcome you back to the special edition show. We're looking forward to talking with you this week and next week as well. And correct me if I'm wrong, but March Madness in Las Vegas, sometimes they say exceeds the Super Bowl as far as popularity goes. Yes, good morning, Mark, and you're absolutely right. I don't know that it's quite caught up to the Super Bowl, but certainly from uh, a popularity standpoint, from a visitor standpoint, from uh, a betting handle standpoint, the entirety of the March Madness tournament is uh, rivaling that of the uh, Super Bowl, and I would imagine over the next few years it might even surpass it. Uh, The Super Bowl, of course, being a one-day event and uh, March Madness being 
a uh, basically a uh, two and a half week event. Although really the first Thursday and Friday are what's really become to know be known as March Madness, and the place is overfilling. The city is overfilling with people in all the sports books and the sports bars. And I say sports bars these days because with all the apps that we have here in Las Vegas, you don't have to be at any of the sports books and any of the casinos to make your wagers. You can just go enjoy it with your friends at whatever sports bar you like and uh, have the same experience as if you were sitting in the sports book. Yeah, it's kind of nice that way with the apps being what they are in Las Vegas these days. And you mentioned, Andy, about the handle on the tournament as opposed to the Super Bowl. And because it's, uh, as you mentioned, a two- or two-and-a-half-week tournament event, I would imagine the collective handle might be better for the books in Las Vegas than the Super Bowl itself. Yeah, it's certainly rivaling it. I haven't seen the figures, of course. This year, the Super Bowl handle was a bit disappointing uh, as far as uh, the numbers went. And, and that was really due to the fact that it was a relatively low-scoring game, and so much of the betting handle that caused uh, the record in the last year's Super Bowl was due to in-play wagering with the Eagles and the Patriots going back and forth. We didn't have that aspect of the game this year, so the Super Bowl handle was down a bit this year as a result. I expect that March Madness, in fact, everybody here expects that March Madness uh, will set a new record. I'm not quite sure how they break down the details of March Madness because it's not an isolated event, as is the Super Bowl, but uh, taking over the uh, the handle over the three-week period, I would imagine we're going to see another record. So, Andy, let me ask you this question here. If I were to hop out on a plane to Las Vegas and hop out there and come in Wednesday night, what would my chances be of finding a room in Las Vegas? And uh, more importantly, what would be my chances of finding a seat at a sports book in Las Vegas to watch this tournament? I would say for Thursday and Friday, pretty much akin to what you would find for the Super Bowl, that uh, if you've waited this late, uh, you might have to be a little <laughs> bit fortunate, but you never know. Uh, you know, People, traditionally what they do, or many of them do, is they enjoy the four-day weekend uh, this week, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, the opening weekend, uh, when it goes by so quickly, it's hard to believe, 75% of the field is eliminated by Sunday afternoon. But what they do is they end up, okay, on our way out, let's book a reservation for next year's tournament. And speaking about the tournament itself, Andy, uh, I know our good friend Jay Cornegay at the Westgate Superbook uh, has also, they're doing a great job posting odds uh, almost on a daily basis. And uh, they've made Duke the number one favorite in the tournament, and arguably or justifiably so. An impressive showing in the ACC basketball tournament here. But have you got a handle yet or a flavor on any team that might end up being what we're going to call a wise guys team? a team that uh, perhaps people in Las Vegas, some of the Sharps may be betting as futures as opposed to the popular Dukes of the basketball world. Mark, the wise guys, the Sharps, as, you, as we call them, don't really get involved too much in the futures marketplace, certainly not like they did in years ago because there's more money to be made on an individual uh, game basis. And as we've all become enlightened over the years that if you like a futures team, the best way to play them now is on a game-by-game -game money line basis where you just keep rolling over the proceeds and you find out that whereas a team might be priced at 15 to 1 just as a pure futures bet prior to the start of the tournament or whatever event we're talking about. If you were to play that team uh, game by game by game, instead of getting those 15 to 1 odds, uh, you might end up getting 22 to 1 odds because of the way the prices are, 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 are adjusted on a game by game basis. The hold on the 
uh, futures market is such that almost any team that you would choose to play as a futures bet is better to be done on a game by game basis. But having said that, there are always a couple of popular teams that uh, show up. Uh, we talked about uh, Duke being the favorite and uh, the uh, Virginias and the North Carolinas and the Gonzagas have all been held at low odds basically all year. Uh, we talk about teams like a, a long shot as being a team like a Wofford, which has gotten a lot of hype. Uh, you got a team, for example, even more uh, uh, along the lines of what we would think of as an attractive long shot team. You might have a team, uh, for example, in LSU or in Auburn. Auburn, very impressive in winning the SEC title a few days ago. Uh, that's a team that's gotten a lot of uh, excitement over the past few days as the tournament odds come out. Now, I uh, have a look at the uh, odds, for example, uh, last year's champion uh, Villanova, a number six seed this year, 50 to one. Uh, Kentucky, uh, many people think they are very attractively priced as a number two seed. Their future book odds, 12 to 1 when the odds came out Sunday evening. Uh, last year's team that made it to the Final Four and played very well down the stretch other than the games against Michigan State. And the Michigan Wolverines made it to the championship game last year. They are at 20 to 1. I mentioned Auburn to 1. Uh, Auburn, rather, 60 to 1 odds on the Auburn Tigers. That might be one of the plays that's going to be attracting a lot of action over the next 24 hours as we head into the start of the the start of the main uh, draw of the bracket. I guess, Andy, if you put tape over the name of the team, it wouldn't matter. Just the fact that the SEC tournament champion is 60 to 1 in this tournament, I guess, would draw a lot of attention. Maybe even perhaps from the Sharps that don't normally play these futures, as you mentioned here. And uh, I'm gonna, before I hand it over to Victor with the question he wants to ask you on the show here, Andy, have, they, have you seen any moves? Uh, and I know we're a little bit early on because these moves tend to come more like game day than uh, in advance, much we, like we see in the football season here. But any moves of any team that you either seen or expect to see a move uh, of the being bet in Las Vegas as far as people hurrying to the window go to go bet in this tournament? Haven't seen a lot of moves other than some of the early actions. And, of course, there are many different uh, opening numbers that can be referred to. But, for example, I'll use the, the Westgate because historically, uh, you know, for many, many years, I used to use the Stardust here in Las Vegas. And that actually predated the advent of uh, offshore and Internet wagering. And since the Stardust closed in uh, 2006, I've been using the Westgate, which has been the preeminent odds-making place here in Las Vegas. Uh, so I use those no those numbers on a consistent basis. And they, you know, everyone wants to try and be first. I think South Point may have been the first to come out with the opening numbers. But as far as these numbers that come out uh, Sunday evening, you know, within uh, three to four hours of the matchups, uh, some of the movements that have occurred, in fact, the first game uh, in the rotation for Thursday, St. Mary's against Villanova. Villanova, the defending national champions, opened as five-and-a-half-point favorites. Uh, they've been bet down and basically across the board right now, down a point. They are favored by uh, just four-and-a-half. Purdue, which opened as a 12-point, favorite has been bet up as high as 13, but I'm starting to see a number of 12 and a halves against an Old Dominion. By the way, Old Dominion faced two teams in the field uh, this year, Virginia Commonwealth and Syracuse. Uh, those were the only two teams they faced. They won and covered both of those games, including an upset win against the uh, the Orange. Uh, looking at another big move uh, that could be considered a big move, Florida State against Vermont. Florida State opened as a, an 11-point favorite. Maybe an underrated. That That's also another underrated team, the way that they've played down the stretch this year, Florida State. But they've been bet down uh, to a nine-point favorite as uh, some, attractive for the, some attraction for the Catamounts 
of uh, Vermont. Uh, looking at some of the other moves that uh, I would consider noteworthy, Michigan State opened a 20-point favorite against Bradley. They've been bet down to 18.5 points. There's some injury concerns with Michigan State that might uh, explain uh, that move. Another move, in fact, we just mentioned it. I talked about Auburn. They opened as a 7.5-point favorite against New Mexico State in the uh, Salt Lake City bracket on uh, Thursday. Uh, a lot of love being shown for New Mexico State. That line of down a full two points uh, to five and a half in most places. I've even seen uh, one of the uh, independent books here in, in Las Vegas, Treasure Island, down to five. So a lot of support for the underdog New Mexico State Aggies who ran roughshod once again over a very weak uh, reconstituted WAC conference. Uh, another move, Kansas opened an eight and a half point favorite. They're down uh, pretty much as six and a half point favorites. And again, Treasure Island showing a rogue number of six. So a lot of uh, enthusiasm coming in for Northeastern. In fact, at a seminar I spoke on at, at uh, Tuesday night, there was uh, pretty much a consensus that Northeastern has an excellent chance at pulling the upset over the uh, Kansas Jayhawks in that opening round game. And that uh, uh, would be a significant upset. 13 versus a four. Most people think that Northeastern is the most likely one to uh, uh, to pull that upset. Gonzaga, uh, this line came up uh, late on uh, Tuesday evening after Fairleigh Dickinson had uh, beaten Prairie View in the first of the two play-in games Tuesday night. Gonzaga opened a 26.5 point favorite. They've been bid up uh, even at that high number. They've been bid up to a 27.5 point favorite. So those are the significant uh, moves of note on the um, Thursday card. Uh, turning to Friday, uh, we've seen a slight change of favorites, and this is in the Central Florida-Virginia Commonwealth game. VCU opened the one-point favorite, Central Florida now the one-point favorite, and that uh, move seems to make a lot of sense. The Atlantic 10 this year, uh, VCU's conference was really down considerably from past editions. Meanwhile, the American Athletic Conference, from which uh, Central Florida hails, sent four teams to the tournament. They were very strong this year. They had uh, two very, very fine representatives uh, selected as well. Of course, Houston and Cincinnati. Cincinnati earning its way in as an automatic qualifier. Another move on an underdog, and this is interesting because it involves a team that made history last year. Uh, the Virginia Cavaliers, the first and only team thus far, seeded number one to lose to a 16, figures to come in highly motivated to avoid an embarrassment of uh, what happened last year. They opened as a 24-point favorite against Gardner-Webb, and yet the money has come in on the underdog, Virginia down to a 22.5-point favorite. Still a huge number, uh, but not as high as it was when it opened. Uh, other numbers uh, in uh, the uh, regions on Friday, uh, we're not seeing a huge amount of, of movement, maybe just a point here and there. Uh, in fact, really, that Virginia movement of a point and a half is the most that I've seen, in a, uh, other than that uh, switch from one-point favorites. Uh, just to throw one more in there uh, that uh, might be of some interest would be North Carolina dropped a point and a half from a 25-point favorite against Iona to 23 and a half. A review of the line moves, the initial line moves for the upcoming NCAA tournament games this week in rounds one and round two, those matchups, or rounds one, I should say, those matchups this Thursday and Friday. We're visiting with Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. And, Victor, I know you got a question you want to run by Andy on the show this week as well. Right. First, I thought that was uh, invaluable information on some of the biggest line moves thus far in the tournament there by Andy. And uh, also interesting, only one game thus far in the tournament, and Andy mentioned it, where it, basically the point spread crossed over the number of zero 
in which a team that opened as a favorite is now an underdog, and that's that VCU Central Florida game that Andy was just talking about, a matchup of very similar styles that Mark noted earlier in the podcast. My question to Andy is, there's a pretty big game involving the three people here on our podcast, Andy, at least perhaps some states bragging rights. Of course, we're down here in South Florida, the Sunshine State. And Andy's over there in the Rocky Mountains at the Silver State. We've got a 7 versus 10 matchup, Andy. Nevada, the Wolfpack, taking on the Florida Gators. And I just want to know if you have any sort of an opinion on this particular game, matching the Sunshine State against the Silver State. I know perhaps that uh, Nevada has got a little bit of an axe to a grind. They're off a one-point loss to last year's Cinderella team, Loyola Chicago in the Sweet 16 round. But do you have any sort of take in this particular game, Andy, with the Wolfpack taking on the Gators? That's a great question, Victor, because we spent a lot of time at the Tuesday night seminar discussing this specific game, largely from the uh, Nevada end, because Nevada has been a very odd team. I don't know that uh, they've ever really fully recovered from the 20-point loss they suffered against New Mexico back early in conference play. There seems to be something wrong with the chemistry of this team. They don't seem to be playing with the same energy that we've seen them play the last couple of years. So there's some speculation that maybe the players are tuning out Coach Eric Musselman. And so there's a lot of uncertainty surrounding uh, the attitude, the uh, cohesion of this Nevada team. One thing appears clear. They have the talent to make a very deep run in this tournament if they can put aside whatever those distractions may end up being. On the other hand, the psyche of this team seems to be somewhat fragile. So it's hard to say if they will be able to put those things aside. Now, keep in mind that uh, at the start of the season, the Blue Ribbon yearbook folks, they had Nevada as the number six team in the country. And for a good part of uh, November, December, and into January, they were playing that way. However, over the... uh, Last month and a half or so, they've really struggled. They suffered some very surprising wins, including uh, the uh, the loss to uh, San Diego State in the Mountain West Conference Tournament. Florida, on the other hand, has been a very solid team from a very strong SEC conference this year, and I wouldn't be surprised if Florida is able to defeat uh, Nevada if things don't go well. My take on the game, my preference on the game, is still to go with the talent. I happen to think that perhaps Nevada was suffering just from fatigue but perhaps it's interest that they were just waiting for this conference, for this uh, tournament to begin. Utah State gave them a great battle a couple of times this year and ultimately won the Mountain West Conference tournament. But Nevada remains the most talented team in the conference. And I think they just need that first win in the tournament to get them on that run. They may not be able to make it into the uh, final four of the championship game, but they certainly have the talent to do so. The three-point shooting has been an issue from a fundamental standpoint. But other than that, there, there are NBA players on this team, and that's normally what you need to make a deep run. So I, I will be going with Nevada, at least in the game against Florida, but I would not be shocked if they lose. Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas will be backing the Wolfpack in that basketball game. And Andy, before I let you go on the show, if you would, I know our listeners would like to know what your complimentary play on the card this Thursday or Friday might happen to be. Well, there are two games that I like, and I'm going to choose one of the two. I'm going to go with long-term history, and that's the Syracuse Orangemen laying two, starting to see two and a half show up against Baylor in their opening round matchup. That's the uh, late uh, game in the Salt Lake City region 
on uh, Friday, on, excuse me, on Thursday, uh, Syracuse has won eight straight opening round games, also going eight and O ATS in those games. And that's in addition to last season's play-in game win. I'll go with the Syracuse Orangemen to advance. And because of that zone defense that they play, uh, they might uh, frustrate Gonzaga quite a bit. Not going to call for the upset of Gonzaga, but wouldn't surprise me if Syracuse gives Gonzaga a very difficult test. Andy Iskall, TheLogicalApproach.com. He's on the Orangemen of Syracuse in a matchup against Gonzaga in the NCAA basketball tournament upcoming. Andy, once again, a great job on the show this week. We're going to look forward to visiting with you once again next week when we come back with our Sweet 16 edition here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. The best of luck this week, and Andy, enjoy the games. Victor, Mark, you as well. Both enjoy the games. Have a successful opening weekend when we uh, pair it down to 16 teams for next week. Looking forward to it, Andy. That was Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. Don't go away, guys. When we come back, we'll put the final wraps in the show with my awesome angle of the week and our final thoughts when we're back with more here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. Attention sports fans, it's time to get in on all the football action at mybookie.ag. This industry-leading website is renowned for having the best odds and more betting options than any other sports book online. This is why Mark Lawrence only endorses mybookie.ag. Call toll-free at 1-844-900-2387 or go online to mybookie.ag to open an account and start winning today. Get the odds you want and the fast payouts you need guaranteed that's my bookie.a as an apple and g as in games tell them mark lawrence sent you only the biggest only the best only at mybookie.ag sign up today and now the moment you've been waiting for from the hot south florida sun it's mark lawrence with his awesome angle of the week all right, guys, let's get to it. Our awesome angle of the week on the March Madness Tournament card this week. We call it 16-pound sledgehammer. And what we're looking to do is to play against any NCAA tournament underdog in the first round who won 16 or more games last season if they're coming off consecutive back-to-back straight-up underdog wins. We do this because we're 18-6 and six against the spread by fading these 16-pound sledgehammer teams in their return to reality this week, we'll be playing against St. Louis in their matchup against Virginia Tech for our awesome angle. And before we get to um, our complimentary plays, Victor, if you would let our listeners know what you've got on tap at King Creole Sports this weekend and your complimentary call as well. Right. First things first, though, Mark, you know, one of my favorite things in our Playbook March Baddest newsletter is the Did You Know section on page two. And it's basically, did you know the eight elite elements? 17 of the last 18 NCAA champions each possessed all of these attributes. And we mention what those eight attributes are. And then after that, we mention this year's five qualifying teams. So basically, there's a 94% chance that the winner of this year's NCAA tournament will be one of these five teams. And I'm going to leave you there. I'm going to leave you hanging because it's reason number one to get the NCAA March Madness issue. It's probably the best $20 you're ever going to spend. It's available at playbook.com. But that's something you definitely want to take a look at is the eight elite elements that determine the NCAA champion. Uh, one of my favorite uh, 
little blurbs of our NCAA March Madness newsletter. And before I get to my free play, I want to point out that with all this madness going on, there's still some fantastic value in the NBA pro basketball. Uh, we're having a good season. Uh, again, I'm proud of our King Crail season in terms of NBA over-unders. We've been consistently ranked in the top three in the country all season wrong, long at the sportsmonitor.com with our NBA over-under selections. And uh, we're always offering value in the NBA in terms of over-unders. Check out playbook.com for our King Creole Pro Basketball over-under selections. And uh, I'll close the show with another game that I like under the total in the NCAA uh, tournament on Thursday, Mark. And that's under the total in a game I touched very, very briefly on when I talked about potential slow first-round games. Under the total, St. Mary's versus Villanova. And I love the fact that the line is still 130 in this particular game. My projections, based on our database, have this game finishing somewhere around 123 to 124 points. So we're getting a discrepancy of 6 to 7 points I think the market is worth betting with value like that. Both of these teams, Mark, St. Mary's and Villanova, are ranked in the bottom 20 in the country in pace of play. St. Mary's, number 347 out of 353, they play a slow game on offense. And so does Villanova, ranked number 333. St. Mary's also defends the three-point shot very, very well. That's key in this game. They give up only 17 attempts per game from three. That's the third fewest in the NCAA. And Villanova attempts the fourth most threes in the country at 30.1. So it's it's going to be interesting to see if the Wildcats force the issue against the Gales team that they like running shooters off of that three-point line. And on the other side of the court, love this Villanova matchup zone. They play this 2-3 uh, zone. And then they kind of get into this little, what they call, 1-2-2 full-court press. And they do this to uh, slow down opponents and burn clock before those opponents are able to get into their offensive sets. And St. Mary's played against this type of zone defense only 78 possessions all season long. That's roughly one of the 33 games they played. This could ultimately be a, a, a big-time red flag if they struggle to break down that Villanova zone, which only bodes well for our under. At the line of 130, there's a good six to seven points of value, Mark. We're going under Villanova against St. Mary on Thursday afternoon. And again, don't forget the NBA, hidden value in NBA these days with all the focus on March Madness. NBA from Victor King at King Creole Sports, where you can also, if you sign up now for the March Madness Tournament and Sweet 16 Guides, you'll also pick up, excuse me, pick up the final two weeks edition from Victor King of his NBA report, a daily report on team trends, power ratings from Victor King, all part of a $29 package for the March Madness Tournament Guide, the Sweet 16 Guide, and Victor King's NBA report. Check it out online at playbook.com. And while you're there, be sure to join me for a $99 March Madness weekend of all of my late foam basketball selection plays Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday for just $99 complete, available online at playbook.com 
Or you can call me toll-free to get on board for the $99 March Madness Special week off, Weekend Offer at 1-800-321-7777. My complimentary call on this opening week's card in the NCAA Basketball Tournament will be on Vermont, the Catamounts, taking on Florida State a Florida State basketball team that had a really strong season this year. But the feeling here is they may have expended themselves a little bit in that game against Duke. It was an ACC basketball showdown in which Florida State was in that game tooth and nail right down to the finish. In fact, the game was pretty close to even with just two minutes to go before Florida State fell apart in the final two minutes of that game. Perhaps a little bit of a letdown could be in order in this particular contest. Florida State, just three and six if you will, against number 11 seeds in this basketball tournament here. It's three and six straight up. You're talking about a Vermont team that won 27 games this season and has won 12 of the last 13 games. They feature the America East Player of the Year and Anthony Lamb. We'll be watching him in the NBA. Keep an eye on Anthony Lamb for Vermont. Vermont, a double champion dog, won their regular season, won their conference tournament, taking points from a team that did neither. We'll play Vermont plus the points for my complimentary play on the show this week. And that's going to put the final wraps in this edition of Mark Lawrence Against the Spread for Victor King from King Creole Sports. Andy Isco joining me from Las Vegas. And until we come back next week with our Sweet 16 final podcast show for our good friend Jack Reynolds, who we know is listening from above, this is Mark Lawrence reminding you to always to remember to bet with your head, not over it, and good luck as always. <music>